Grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, and we will exegete this passage as we always do. I forgot to put the verses up here. We'll, we'll, we'll start in verse 18 um, and uh, want to use it as a launching pad um, for what it is we want to talk about this evening. Genesis chapter 2, probably page 2 of your pew Bibles or your Bible in particular. So with that, if you will stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word. I want to start in verse 18, and we'll go down to verse 22. Moses writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, to all the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we always ask when we gather together that you would open our hearts, we would receive your word, our mind that we would understand it, our eyes that we would see your kingdom and glory, our, our ears that we would hear and heed your word, our mouth that we would speak the truth of the gospel to ourselves, to one another, and to this lost and dying world, and our hands and our feet that we would go in obedience. We are here to celebrate Mother's Day, but increasingly we don't know what words like mother means. Help us to grasp not just the meaning of such words, but its beauty, its design, and why we are so in desperate need of moms, dads, men, women, wives, husbands. Convict us in this time of, of, of study, we pray. May I decrease so you can increase. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. As we sink deeper into the muck of postmodernism as, as a nation... I don't know if you've noticed it, but the definition of words seems to be harder to come by. Um, and we're asking ourselves to define words that for forever and ever, um, it never crossed our mind to give a definition. For example, can you define the word yellow? Try it. Define the word blue without reference to the University of Kentucky. Define the word five, twenty-two. 38.6, it doesn't matter. Define the term. Well, that's a silly question, isn't it? These terms are largely just, just assumed. After all, if I told you that my favorite ninja turtle is the yellow one, Donatello, you would say, um, excuse me, Donatello is purple. And I, of course, would call you a closed-minded bigot practicing erasure. The meaning of such words are and were self-evident. They are rooted in our experience. They're rooted in reality. And we can do the same thing with gender. The meaning of such words have been rooted in our biology, sociology, psychology, and experience. We've all read the books and we've listened to the comedians make jokes about the difference between men and women. Men are like this and women are like that. And I'm sure by accident I'll make a few of those jokes here this morning. But... But those jokes make sense because we know the meaning of such words. 
And because we're having to ask such questions, what does it mean? Or what does the word woman mean? Or what does it mean to be a man? We, I'm convinced that as a secular culture, we are really missing the mark, whether you're on the left or you're on the right. And one of the problems is we've turned this issue into a political discussion more than a theological one. For example, if you're on the left, the word man or woman is is put in the category of social constructs. Thus, to be a woman is anyone who says that they are a woman. If you say you're a woman, then that means you are. If you, are a, if, if, if you want to be a man and you claim yourself to be a man, then that is precisely what you are. The problem with this definition, one of the main problems with this definition, is it is a muddy mess at best. It is circular reasoning. A woman is anyone who says they're a woman. A man is anyone who says they're a man. The problem with that is... What does the word mean? You can't use the word you're defining in the definition. That is circular reasoning. And as a result, we have favored um, um, stereotypes for men and women. If, If you're a man and you identify as a woman, that means probably your Instagram photos are made up of thick makeup, you're wearing polka dot dresses, and you carry yourself around with flamboyancy. Ladies, does that make you a woman? Or if you want to pretend to be a man that can be relegated to sports fandom, workbooks, and chugging beer with the bras on, on the weekends. Fellas, is that what it means to be a man? These are stereotypes and quite offensive, to be quite honest. Surely masculinity and femininity mean more than that. But, but in case you're on the right and you're sitting there like a good Pharisee in self-righteousness, can I warn you, I think you're an error too. In response to these conversations, I think we've, we've really missed the point. What I see on the right is that issues of gender are relegated to answers regarding biology and reproduction. That is to say that if you are a woman, that means you have certain body parts and you give birth. If you are a man, that must mean that you have male body parts and you contribute to reproduction. And that is all that it means to be a man. You may even add some other suggestions. For example, uh, reference testosterone compared to estrogen levels. Uh, Men, you may say, are characterized by traits of aggression, assertiveness, and strength. Women, on the other hand, are characterized by traits of intuition, affection, and emotional connection. You may use those terms, but you're still back to the same basic idea that to be a man is, is a biological function. To be a woman is merely a biological function. Without realizing it, the right sounds more like a material lesson evolutionist than they do theologian. My problem is this fails to adequately define words like male and female. The terms mean more than function. Surely to be a man or a woman means more than body parts and muscle size and that sort of stuff. Secular questions or secular answers to metaphysical questions will always fall short. What we need is more than just biology. We need theology. And for that, we have to turn to the Bible. So what I want to do, and which means you're probably not going to come back for Father's Day. Um, what I want to do for Mother's Day and Father's Day is to pick a single word to get the conversation started. We can't, this is a broad subject. So for, for today, we want to look at what does it mean to be a woman theologically? What is a word that we can find in the Bible to at least get the conversation started? 
And Father's Day, we want to look at what is a biblical word that we can look at to at least get the conversation started regarding masculinity. Because it is clear to me that in this confusion, we are failing both men and women as a society. We are asking men to play the role of women, and they're terrible at it. We're asking women to play the role of men, and they're not good at it either. So let's start here. What is a single word that we can use in reference to what does it mean to be a woman here on Mother's Day? Let's start with the word, and the word we have here in this text is the word helper. It's helper. Now, verses 18 to 22, what we read is the creation of Eve. I, I trust you are familiar with the passage. And, and what's interesting, if you were to compare uh, this passage, Genesis 1, 1 and 2, the creation story, and compare it to ancient literature, they all have the creation myths, is, is that the amount of space that the Bible gives to creation of woman is unique in ancient literature. Because in the Bible, women are elevated as really the, the, the climax of creation. If man, the creation of man is the climax of creation, the creation of woman is the climax of the creation of humanity. And, and, and here you have it. And, and she, she is the genesis of what it means to be a woman. And, and the role of women is given right here. Verse 18 is interesting. It is that we discover that something isn't good. If you know your Bibles, you know that day one, two, three, four, five, and six, everything is good. Except after the creation of Adam, something is still missing. It's, it, it's that missing puzzle piece that, that, that you're not done. It's not completed. It's not whole without that missing piece. And so I love what God does here. He can see that there is a problem and he can instantly give a solution. But that's not what God does. What God does is, is he, he wants Adam to see he, he, he needs something that is deeper than what is already available in creation. Notice what God does. He says, okay, Adam, you got a problem. You're struggling with loneliness in isolation. You, 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 don't have, uh, you don't have the other. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you work to do. Adam proves to be productive. He becomes the manager of the local zoo. He names all the animals. He works the ground. He's working long hours. He comes home sweating. He goes to bed, doesn't even wash the sheets, you know, typical male. And he, he says, man, he's getting it done. He is getting it done. He's accomplishing great things. Yet every time he comes home, he knows that I'm missing something. I am missing something that runs deeper than work, success, achievement, career, education. I am missing a part of me, he would say. So God says, well, that's the answer. What you need is a helper. What you need is a woman. And so what God does is, is he causes Adam to go into a deep sleep. And that language is important because in Genesis, the Bible in general, but Genesis in particular, when God causes someone to go to sleep, something is about to happen. And often it's that of a covenant. Can I give you just two examples of this to let me be nerdy about the Bible? In Genesis 15, God causes Abraham to go to sleep, and that is when God cuts the covenant and makes a covenant with Abraham. Later, we see the same thing with Jacob in, in Genesis 28. This is when he, he has the, the experience at night, right, where, where he, he climbs the, the, the stairway to heaven, right? You remember that? Or he doesn't climb it. He sees the angels ascending and descending and the voice of God. All, all that happens at night. Uh, we can see similar things where Joseph has dreams and, and all that sort of stuff. So, so, so the fact that he has a deep sleep implies that when he wakes up, he will witness the work of God, and it implies prophetic promise and covenant. 
And you notice that God takes from him his ribs. What most of our translation will say ribs is literally the word side. It's often used in, in connection to the side of a building. So it's, it's Adam's side. If it helps to think of this, it is as if, as if Adam as one is separated. This is where Eve becomes his better half. You can, you can all say it's literally his better half. But notice this in the text, especially if you read the rest of Genesis 2. The one becomes two. You go from Adam to Adam and Eve, so that through marriage, the two become one again. That's the beauty of marriage. That is the beauty of marriage. But there's that term, isn't it? It's used twice. In verse 18, he needs a helper. In verse 20, he says she is his helper. What in the world do we do with that? Feminists can't stand this language, along with other critics, influenced by feminist ideology and theology. Because they feel this term implies degradation, misogyny, and patriarchy. And what they see this, and far too many um, um, those who read this the wrong way, see it as meaning that men bring home the bacon and the women cook the bacon, right? And that is your job. And I don't know if you've noticed this. There is no kitchen in the Garden of Eden. Did you see that? Right? So, so can, we, can we have like an actual discussion of what is, what is meant here? Can I give you three, just real quick, three, we've done this before, three reasons why this is actually a really good term, ladies. You should love this term. Here's the first reason. The term is used in application to God. The term is used, I may need your help, Don. Here we go. The term is used in application to God. Now, I took out about a dozen of examples, so let me just give you what survived. Uh, Deuteronomy 33, 29. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your Ezer. The same word used in Genesis 2. Help. Same thing, Psalm 33. The Psalms have this all over the place. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help. Ezer. Psalm 70, verse 5. I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help. You are my deliverer. Same word used in Genesis 2. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. And where does my Ezer comes from? My Ezer, helper, comes from Yahweh, who made heavens and earth. Well, when he made heavens and earth, you know what I see he made? A helper. The helper made a helper. Psalm 124, 8. Our help, same word, is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. We can look at other examples from, from the Old Testament, couldn't we? The name Eleazar means my God is my helper. The priest and other characters are named Eleazar. Men are named using this term. This term here in Genesis is applied to women, but, but it's, it's the same meaning. It means helper. Now, now, I want you to notice something about all of these verses we looked at. Again, we can look at another dozen easily. These often fit a military context. I look to the heels. Where does my help come from? Not referencing your bank accounts. You remember that we read, he is my helper. He is my deliverer. It is to say that with, without God, Israel and, and the psalmist would, would understand what would lie in our wake is destruction and defeat. God then is portrayed as a deliverer, protector, ally, or in a word, helper. It is bigger than being a cook and changing diapers. It's theological at its core. 
We could come to the New Testament and see the same thing, although it's not the same word. That's Hebrew in Genesis 2, the New Testament written in Greek. But we do see the same concept. Uh, On the eve of his death, Jesus uh, references and describes the Holy Spirit as the helper. Here's two. I can give you about a handful more between Genesis or John chapter 14 to John 17. That he says that it is good that I leave you for God is sending you a helper and he will bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. We have the Bible because of the spirit as helper to its writers. We as a church function because we have a helper named the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. So, so, so help me understand here why a term applied to you or me would be offensive when God doesn't see it as such. Maybe we should flip that. That if it is glorifying God to be seen as a deliverer, ally, helper, protector, should it not be equally glorious for you, ladies, to accept the same? And to deny it is to really deny who you are. Let me give you another reason for this. Women naturally lean towards roles of of help. Can we do, and we've done this before, can can we do a quick mental exercise, right? A real quick mental exercise. I'm going to give you a vocation. And you don't have to shout out unless you're Pentecostal. I want you to tell me what gender, male or female, comes immediately to mind associated with that vocation, okay? Mechanic, nurse, carpenter, police officer, secretary, farmer, homemaker, athlete, construction worker, server at a restaurant, Tow truck driver. What are, you, are, what are the chances we all agreed on that? I mentioned tow truck driver last on purpose. I mean, you all know the car broke down last Sunday and uh, had to call a tow truck driver to, to get it over to the mechanic shop, right? Tow truck driver, male or female? Who says male? Good, you're with me on this story, Okay. I'm waiting for this car, and it takes an hour because it wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the middle of the interstate or something. And in drives a woman, this big old tow truck, right? And when I say woman, I don't mean a woman that wears Carhartt, a woman that wears girl britches. I don't know what they're called. I'm sure they cost more than do britches because you women are willing to pay that for reasons I don't understand. And she was a girl. Like, like she was a woman. And in fact, she, she got down the, the, hook, the, the, the tow truck and all that, and she looks at me and she goes, I should have put my hair up before I started all this. And like, I guess, lady, I've never had a female tow truck driver. I, I don't know. You know, like you thought when I said I had a woman tow truck driver, you, you automatically assumed she had short hair and a Carhartt jacket on despite how hot it was outside, didn't you? Uh, uh, combat boots and everything is what you thought. No, this is a, this is a, this is a woman. Like, like, uh, like a woman. I don't know what you want from me, right? But my immediate reaction was like, like, that's different. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But we automatically assume male for tow truck driver. Now, what is the difference between all these roles? Roles like homemaker, secretary, nurse, and a host of others are positions that prioritize help. You ever wonder why that is? Men... Um, are naturally drawn towards things. Go to a car show. What is the ratio of male and female? Compare uh, engineers to nurses. 
What is the ratio between male and female? What is the difference? Men are drawn towards things. Women are drawn towards people. When you're in a hospital, what do you want? A carpenter or a nurse? One of them leans male. Not all carpenters are men. But one of them leans female. Not all nurses are female. But let's be honest, you're sick enough. You're kind of hoping it's a female nurse. Because you know, by nature, she's better than all the dudes here. Do you want me sticking a needle in your arm? No. You don't. I get blood all the time. I prefer ladies to do it. Because the dude's like, well, I got to get this needle into that vein. Done, right? I don't like that dude. I want someone's going to sing me a lullaby as it's going into me, right? It's the difference. When your car breaks down, you want a secretary or a mechanic? Can I tell you something about that tow truck driver I noticed? Every time I've called for a tow truck driver, every time the dude comes, he gets out. He doesn't say much, right? But he'll ask one question. He verifies my identity and all that, but he has one question. What's wrong with your car? She never asked the question. There's nothing wrong with that. But why are men prone to that? We want to fix things. Men construct, women heal. Thirdly, we've got to move forward. The office of helper implies men need help. Do I need any more explanation than that? I mean, that is the term, right? Helper is a cry for help. That's the term. Read the text. God gave him a job to do. He gave him a career to have. Gave him goals to set. And things to accomplish. It wasn't good enough. He didn't need help naming the animals. Although I'm sure she gave her opinion. What he needed was something deeper. Something spiritual. And that runs deeper than body functions. And body parts. Men need help. One of the things I've learned in doing premarital counseling is that, and just just being a married man, frankly, is that women make men better. This is a problem when we stop prioritizing marriage. We stop stop making men productive. Almost every time I do premarital counseling, at some point the bride will say, "I, I do have one major concern. He is a slob. And I'll say, I got good news for you. The minute you guys move in together, it won't be perfect. It won't be that bad. When I lived in the dorms, it was just a guy's dorm. And twice a semester, they let all the women come up. For about an hour, you, can, you, know, you had to leave your rooms, uh, uh, your door open, even if you weren't there. But, but the, all the ladies can come up. And after that, all the men went over to, to the ladies' dorm. And, and it was the only day, I've told you this before, is the only day you would hear the vacuum cleaner from sunup to sundown. <laughs> there was a list. Uh, now, we only have one vacuum cleaner because we weren't using it. But that one day we were going to use it, and you had to have a list. You had to wait your time. Guys would skip class waiting to get the vacuum cleaner. Slobs. Except for two days a semester. Why? Because they had helpers on their way. To be a helpmate is a position of honor, not a position of insignificance. Men understand that their wives are worth protecting, providing for, loving, and leading. Your husband, ladies, is half the man he would be without you. Read the text. All of this demonstrates that what the world needs is feminine women. 
Femininity is deeper than body parts and reproduction. Femininity is not a social construct until we confuse genders. Femininity, like masculinity, is a creative gift from God that when used correctly, builds a strong society and is good for others. You need masculine men in your life. You need feminine women in your life. So what I want to do, we're we're practically out of time. Not that I care. You're not going to be able to get a restaurant at this time anyways. So we we looked at the word helper. Can can, can I just make two quick applications? Let's look at the work of the helper. Now, what I want to do, because this is a broad subject, we do an entire volume of, of, of books on this. I want to apply it specifically to marriage. So if I were to apply it more broadly, I would say, particularly young ladies, prioritize motherhood. Prioritize your affectionate side. Prioritize being a woman. Now, you can apply this to, to your role as a woman, as a mother, as a, as a worker, whatever. We, we could do a thousand ways. I just want to talk about marriage because time is limited. And, and hopefully the Methodists got there earlier than, than usual. What does it mean practically to be a helpmate in marriage? How does the role of a helpmate serve in the home? Look, every husband in this area needs two things from their wives. Now, we, again, we can give a dozen, but you pay me for 30 minutes, so here we go. Number one, um, peace. Peace. One of the things I do, my wife and I have been together uh, going on 23 years. We've been married, I think, 17. Have, she's in the nursery. Um, nursery workers, male or female, she's in the nursery. And um, um, ask her, I think it's 17. I don't know. She may feel like it's been 48 um, but I do look back and I think, what was it when I was a young man? Before, before I could articulate male and female and love and all that, before, before I could do any of that, what was it that really attracted me to her? Yes, she was beautiful and godly and beautiful and, and uh, godly. Right, she had all that stuff, right? But what was it really? What was it really that, that when I was in the dorms and I thought, I got to call her? What was it really when I was in class? I'm like, man, I, we, we, we got to get our classes together. What, what was it that, that made me long to see her in between classes? What, what was it really? I think it really comes down to this. Yes, she is beautiful. Yes, she's a genuine believer. Yes, she puts up with my proclivities. Yes, she is easy to love. But as I get older, the more I appreciate that her very presence is that of peace. Her very presence is that of peace. She is an oasis in the wilderness. She is an Eden in the middle of the desert. She is peace. Feminism has convinced young women that what men want is manicured prettiness and easy access to intimacy. Men will flee both. Many young women have convinced themselves, you know what I want in a man? A man that can handle me. And I can warn you, young ladies, if that's you, your future will be that of loneliness, TV dinners, and cats. Men do not want to handle you. They want to lead. They want to love. They want respect. They need peace. Men will fight all day long at work. But they can't do that at home. They can't do it. Think about it. Today's Mother's Day. Mother's Day is big business. Google it. You can run the numbers. Compare Mother's Day and Father's Day. Why is it on Mother's Day? What, what is it you're going to do today more likely, right? The whole family is going to come over. It's going to be chaos and chaotic. There's going to be a lot of food, a lot of cooking, a lot of cleaning, and a lot of kids screaming, right? 
That's what you want, ladies, isn't it? I just want all the kids over. I want all the grandkids. I even want the cousins. Like, I'm going to spend most of my Mother's Day with the outlaws, right? That is only for Mother's Day am I willing to do something like that. It's awful, right? But it's her day, and I have to suffer through it. I'm glad I'm deaf in one ear. But, but, but right, it's, 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 we, we do that. Go up to your husband right now. What do you want for Father's Day? None of that. I shared this earlier during breakfast, but uh, my favorite Father's Day I ever had, my absolute favorite one, we lived away from the in-laws, but my favorite Father's Day was my very first one as a dad. Came home from church, and my wife asked, what do you want for Father's Day? We're all new at this, this dad thing, right, and mom thing. I said, well, can I do anything, right, anything? Said, yeah, anything he wants. This is what I want. I want to go fishing. I want to come back and eat what I caught. My wife is holding the baby, right? She, she still had the new, new, the, the new mom smell. Uh, it's mostly just uh, baby powder. And she, she just, that's a great idea, right? And I left the house and was around no one for like three hours. And I came home with dinner. That's a good Father's Day. That's a good Father's Day. What's the difference? In what peace? Can I give you a little secret about men, ladies? Men are called by God to carry burdens and to never become one. Hear me on that. If you understand your husband, you understand men. Men are called to carry burdens without being one. This is something young men have got to figure out because they weren't raised right. No one cares about your hurt feelings at the office. No one cares what you think when you come home. No one cares. Men are called to carry burdens. Haven't you noticed this, ladies? You come home from work and you won't stop talking for five hours. He gets two words in. Isn't that what you want? You want a man wise enough. You want a man strong enough to carry burdens without becoming one. Want to know why your man drives the less reliable car? Want to know why he insists that you see the doctor but underplays his own sickness and refuses to go himself? Want to know why men don't share everything that's on their heart and mind? Men need peace. It's not because men are emotionally cold or refuse to be vulnerable. It is because they carry burdens. And what they need is peace. Well, there's more. We've got to move forward. You're going to get out late. Respect. Respect. This isn't new. In fact, we've done a whole studies of this, so you can find that somewhere on the interwebs. Although men and women are different, they, 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 they want the same thing that's love, but the way they communicate love is, is different. Think about it. Uh, ladies, so this is something I'm having to learn my wife who's, who's working now. She comes home stressed, and I, I have to tell myself, and I tell her to hold me accountable, don't let me fix everything, but there's a limit to that, frankly, but, but I'll try not to fix everything. When men interact, what is, so, so if, if I go to a dude and I say, I can't figure out what's wrong on the lawnmower. I've done this, this, and this. What I want to hear from another dude is, have you tried? Try saying that to your wife. That's not, that's not what she wants to hear, is it? No. Aren't she? You remember the video we showed of the woman with the nail through the head? It's, it's, it's that sort of thing. Women want affection. Men want affirmation. Women crave love. Men need respect. You're wanting the same thing, but the way you go about it is different. 
And what happens is because we don't speak the same language is, is we, we end up thinking I'm, I'm, I'm being robbed of X, therefore I will rob him or her of Y. So ladies, you think if I'm not getting affection, I'll withhold respect. That'll get me affection. Or he thinks I'm not getting respect, I'll withhold affection. And, and that is a vicious cycle and it will lead to destruction. The Bible does exhort women to respect their husbands. Ephesians 5. Wives, see to it that you respect your husbands. Can I just give you real quickly, I've already cut off from, from what we did before, a couple of things. First of all, if you want to respect your husbands, it starts in the heart. Thoughts of respect are important. Disrespect starts in the heart and the mind. Do you truly think much of your husband? Chances are what attracted you to him was that uh, maybe he was tall, maybe he had blue eyes, uh, maybe he had good job, career aspects, but one of the things is you saw in him someone you could respect. Someone, someone in him that you could submit to. He is wiser, he is taller, he is stronger, he's a mover, he's a shaker. It's what you want. I mean, for some reason, at the years of marriage, we, we, we start to question in our hearts their wisdom, question in, their, in our hearts their, their strength. Don't do that. Do you predominantly complain about your husband, even in a jokey way, or express gratitude for him, especially when close associates are around? Remember the story of Michael and David, that she looked out the window, saw King Dave leaping and dancing. Remember in the, in the priestly ephod, she despised him in her hearts. Words of respect. Disrespect moves from the heart to the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus would say. Guard your words. The male ego is a fragile thing, though we try to hide it as well as we can because we carry burdens. We try not to be one. But... Words we say can be quite wounding. Ladies, we, we don't handle passive aggressiveness as well as your lady friends do. Oh, I love that dress. I would, could never go out in public in that. Guys don't like comments like that. For, for example, honey, we both know you're not much of a handyman like your father. You won't be called repairman. Not helpful. I think you love your job more than you love your family. Not helpful. Deeds of respect. These include respecting his judgment. One book I read on the subject, quote, several men confessed that they felt like their opinions and decisions were actively valued in every area of their lives, like work, except at home. Some men felt that their com comrades at work trusted their judgment than their own wives did. Watch how men interact with each other. They rarely tell each other what to do. It is co uh, uh, collaborative. It's give and take. Women err when they constantly demand and correct. Respect his needs. Both men and women have needs of the other. How they express those needs are unique to each other. But ultimately, we all want to be accepted in love. Men ought to be sensitive to the emotional needs of their wives and should prioritize it. Likewise, women should return the same to their husbands. But for some reason, we write off those needs. Whatever those needs might be, they're going to be physical, they're going to be emotional. They're going to be spiritual. Maybe you should sit down with your husbands at the end of the day, after it's been all about you all day, how about you just sit down and say, what, what are your needs you need from me? Because I am called to be your helper. Well, I'll end with a joke and we'll call it a night. Mother was walking out with her five-year-old daughter. She picked up something off the ground and started to put it in her mouth. Mother, as you can imagine, took it out of her mouth and told her, don't, don't do that. Why? Asked the little girl. Well, like any mother would, you don't know where that's been. It's dirty. It probably has germs. Little girl looked at her mom and said, Mom, how do you know all this stuff? How did you learn? Now, who, who taught you all this? And the mom, 
She says, well, I went to mommy school. And, and there, you know, you have to graduate before you can become a mom. And I learned all this stuff. The little girl thought about it, and she says, oh, I get it. So if you don't pass being a mom, does that mean you have to become a dad? <laughs> all right, well, regardless, there is some truth to that. What the world needs, ladies, is you. What the world needs is women, helpers, the way God made you. Don't be ashamed of it, but let God be glorified in who you are. Don't confuse it with what the the, the world has to offer you. Come to Scripture. Come to the cross. And there, you'll find what it is that you're looking for. So we're going to just time of invitation. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask... You think about your home, you think about your family, you, th- you think about your life. Are you male or female? Are you living in obedience to Christ? Maybe you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you, do not leave here. Male or female, mom or dad, husband or wife, single, dating, whatever. Would you come to Christ? The world needs more than biology. We need theology. We need repentance. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we ask that you would move us to become more like Jesus. Lord, today we're talking about femininity. And next time, Lord willing, we'll talk about masculinity. And we need women to be women. We need men to be men. And no wonder as we become less Christian, we become more confused. Which should be obvious. Just, just we seem, seems unthinkable. So Lord, help us as we navigate this, this messed up dark world. But let us do it as Christians. Let us model the beauty of masculinity and the beauty of femininity for your kingdom and your glory. Today is a day where we honor and we celebrate and we show our gratitude towards the women in our lives, our mothers, our wives, our sisters, our aunts, our whatever. Lord, let us be thankful for them. And let us honor you with our lives and our love. In the name of your glorious son, we pray. Amen.